1 Samuel chapter number 20, and thank God for that good song tonight, and uh, that's what we need to do. It don't just need to be a song. We need to practice that tonight and worship every time we come to church. 1 Samuel chapter number 20, and uh, we'll preach a few moments tonight. You pray for us and pray with us that God would help us. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter number 20 and verse number 18. The Bible says, Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And when thou hast stayed three days, then shalt thou go down quickly and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself when the business was in hand. And thou shalt remain by the stone easel. And I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof, as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad, saying, Go find out the arrows." If I expressly say unto the lad, Behold, the arrows are on, the, on this side of thee, take them. Then, thou, then come thou, for there is peace to thee, and no hurt, as the Lord liveth. But if I say thus unto the young man, Behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away. Look at verse number 35, if you will. And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad with him. And he said unto his lad, Run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, haste, stay not. And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. And the lad knew not anything, only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad and said unto him, Go carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David rose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you once again tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you will touch us tonight both physically and spiritually. I pray, God, that you'll give us the words and the wisdom. Lord, help us not to say anything that would quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you'll move on every heart tonight. Help us, Lord. I pray, God, we need you in this hour. We don't need just a sermon tonight. God, we need a touch from above. And I pray, God, that you'll give us liberty, free course. And Lord, may there be free spirit in this service tonight. Do what needs to be done in the invitation. We'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention here in just a moment to verse number 20. But before we do that, I want you to notice leading up to these verses that we have read tonight that there's three things that I think is worthy to mention on the outset of this message here and that is the problem that is taking place in the first 11 verses here. David is uh, fully convinced that Saul is still out to kill him. In spite of what Jonathan may say and in spite of what Jonathan may tell him, uh, David still believes that Saul is after him. And I want to say on the outset, David was right 
about that problem. Saul had not quit pursuing him. Now, Jonathan was a real friend and Jonathan was loyal to David and with good intentions, Jonathan gives the advice that everything is okay because that he would know if everything was not okay only to find out that that is not true. And the, what we should take from that is is that there are things in our life uh, that only God knows about us. Amen? Uh, we can seek counsel from others and we can seek counsel from friends uh, and family members and even them with good intentions sometimes uh, will not give us the correct advice. And so the problem here is that David still believes that Saul is out to kill him. And then there's a promise in verses 12 down to verse number 17 that uh, Jonathan makes to David here. In verse number 16, the Bible says, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And so Jonathan makes David a promise that no matter what happens, uh, that he will be loyal and he will be true to him to the very end. In spite of his father, in spite of all the adversity, uh, David found a real friend in Jonathan. And so we see the problem and we see the promise. But then there's the plan that we've read in our text tonight in verses 18 down to verse number 22. I want you to notice in verse number 18 that this plan here, it involves David's absence. As the Bible says uh, that Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the new moon and thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. And so they come up with this plan to find out uh, the intentions of what Saul is. Uh, they want to find out if Saul is still pursuing David or if there is peace. And so the plan involves David's absence. Then I'll say tonight the plan involves David's abiding. In verse number 19, it says that when thou hast stayed three days, then shall thou go down quickly and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself when the business was in hand and thou shalt remain by the stone easel. And so in order for David to find out of the intentions of his adversary, he's got to stay in one place for three days. Now, I want to say tonight, if you're ever going to make headway with God, you got to stay put. Somebody say amen. You got to learn to abide in the place uh, uh, that God has put you. And so we see David's abiding and we see uh, David's absence. But then this plan in verse number 20, it involves Jonathan's arrows as he said, and I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof as though I shot a mark. Now I, that's what I really want to emphasize here in a few moments tonight is the message concerning these arrows because uh, uh, these arrows are very, vital in the life of David and we'll say more about that in just a moment uh, but we see that this plan involved Jonathan's arrows uh, and then it involved his assistant in verse 21 he said and behold I will send a lad saying go find out the arrows and, and I want to just stop and say this uh, uh, this lad uh, is very significant in the life of David and Jonathan he is assisting Jonathan in a task uh, that seems like just an everyday ordinary task. Uh, but in his mind he does not realize uh, uh, the importance of what he is about to do. He's about to take place uh, in part of something that's going to forever change and alter the life of David. I want to say tonight you and I never really know the full magnitude of the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Amen? What, seem like may, what may seem like just an every ordinary day uh, task or an every ordinary day job uh, as it was in this young man's life uh, 
may have significant effects. It may have great magnitude in those that are around you. And so we see here Jonathan's assistance. But then this plan involved Jonathan's announcement. Because in verse number 21 and verse number 22, you'll find that word behold is mentioned in each one of those verses. And that's the message of these arrows tonight is that Jonathan tells David, now if I shoot these arrows, and he said, I shoot the arrows on this side of thee. He said, then he said, I want as I tell the lad to take them. He said, that means that there is peace and there'll be no heart or no hurt and that Saul will not be angry. In other words, if the arrows fall short of where David is at, then it means that there's going to be a positive message of peace and that everything's going to be okay. But in the next verse, he says, but if I say unto the young man, behold, the arrows are beyond thee. Go thy way, for the Lord has sent thee away. He said, now if I shoot those arrows and I say the arrows are beyond thee, he said, then that means that Saul is angry and he's still out to get you. And so I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on the message of the arrows. Amen? In other words, what do you and I do when the arrows go beyond us? Amen? You see, that's what we find in the life of David here. And the message of these arrows tonight uh, will simply tell us uh, uh, what is taking place in the life of, uh, of David. I want to say it's not a positive message in David's life. I wished it would have been. I wish the outcome would have been different in David's life. But sometimes the message Messages that we hear are not always positive. Sometimes they're negative. Amen. Now everybody wants to go to church and everybody wants to get good news. Isn't that right? I mean, nobody wants to go to church and hear bad news. We want to go to church and hear things that uh, will build us up. But sometimes uh, in order for us to be built up, we've got to be torn down. Can I get a witness right there? Sometimes in order for us to get help, sometimes we first have to be heard. Isn't that right? David is in that situation tonight. And may I say that the message is not always the same. Sometimes the message is positive. Sometimes the message is, is negative depending on the situation, depending on the circumstances. But I will tell you this tonight, there's not a thing that David can do in this text tonight to change the message. Do you realize that? David is hiding. David is waiting for the message. He's hoping for that message to be a positive message only to find out that it is not. But there's not anything David can do to change the outcome. There's not anything that Jonathan can do. Jonathan dearly loved David and Jonathan had done everything that he had uh, could do. But even at being second in command, Jonathan cannot do anything to change the message of the arrows. Uh, now surprisingly amongst everything else. Do you realize that there's not anything Saul can do to change the message of these arrows tonight? You see, I, I'm not a Calvinist, but I do believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that there are times that God does things that we have absolutely no control over. And the enemy and the adversity that we face is nothing more than the hand of God working in our life. Saul was a deadly enemy and Saul was a deadly adversary. 
But the truth of the matter is, it's not the devil that's using Saul. It's God that is using Saul. Saul had his own will and Saul had his own choice. But the hand of God, God could annihilated Saul and took him off the throne the very day that he anointed David as king. You say, well, Brother Gravely, why did he not do that? Why did he let Saul reap such havoc in the life of David? For two simple reasons. Number one, God knew that there wasn't anything that Saul could ever do to David unless it passed through his hands. Amen? And though David may have feared Saul, and though others may have feared Saul, listen, God didn't fear Saul for one minute. Amen? He knew that Saul was nothing more than a tool, uh, secondly, that he would use uh, uh, to build character and to build uh, uh, stability in the life of David and to prepare David for the task that was before him. I don't think it takes a theologian to figure this out tonight. And that is that David has a young shepherd boy. Though he was anointed, he wasn't ready for the throne. And a lot of times in life, God may will things for us and we're ready, we think we are, we're, we're excited about it, but the truth of the matter is we may have been anointed for something, but we're not yet prepared for what is laid out. Joseph was given a dream long before he ever became governor of Egypt. When you think about Moses, he saw the burning bush, but there was much that Moses had to go through before he ever was able to lead the children across the Red Sea. God does not work on our timetable, and so many times he will send arrows in our life as so he did in the life of David here. And I want to look a few moments tonight concerning what kind of a message this was. For God has arrows in all of our life. You see, the devil has a duplicate of that tonight. The Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter number six, the fiery darts of the devil. And when I want to say the fiery darts of the enemy tonight are, are sent to penetrate our heart and to destroy our life. But the message of the arrows tonight will do us no harm. The message of the arrow tonight will serve my friend well in our life to help us to go further and to put us in the right places that we need to be put in. I see tonight that first of all, that the message of this arrow is a message of devotion. Amen. For the word of God says in verse number 35 that it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. I see here that it is a message of devotion. In other words, Jonathan is keeping his word. Jonathan is doing exactly what he told David that he was going to do. David didn't have anybody he could trust. David didn't have anybody that he could lean upon outside the Lord. David only had one friend that he could put his trust in outside the Lord. And here is a man that is being devoted. He is being faithful to deliver the message that he has said that he was going to deliver. You know, I appreciate people that will be faithful and be devoted. Amen. I appreciate people that will be faithful to the course and the task that God has put them on. Amen. We see a lot of unfaithfulness today, don't we? People are here today and gone tomorrow. A lot of people come and a lot of people go. Isn't that right? There's not a lot of longevity anymore when it comes to the ministry and serving God. But don't you appreciate devoted people? It's already been said tonight and I want to just reiterate. 
I appreciate the faithfulness of people in this church and this is not to minimize the men of God uh, but I want to say for just a moment I appreciate the people in this church that have never been a preacher they're not a preacher but they've just been faithful they've worked a job they've paid the bills uh, they've kept the lights on uh, that's not taking a play, uh, away from the men of God uh, uh, but everybody can't be a preacher isn't that right? Everybody can't uh, uh, be a Sunday school teacher everybody can't be a song leader or a singer but thank God for people that'll just walk through the doors three times a week and we'll pay the bills and we'll be faithful and we'll say amen to the preaching and we'll just be here and bring their families. I want to tell you tonight that's the real heroes of faith in my book tonight. I appreciate men of God that have preached to me. I appreciate servants of God that have labored in the word and we know and understand that tonight but the truth of the matter is none of us could do what we're doing tonight if it wasn't for people sitting there supporting what we're doing. Friend, it's already been said, but it is a group effort tonight. It takes every one of us laboring and working together to serve God. Thank God for preachers. Somebody say amen. But you gotta be careful that you don't elevate personalities. I appreciate the respect and I appreciate the honor that this church gives to me and to my family and I believe that's in order. I think that ought to be done and I, I don't say that timidly not because I know I'm worthy of nothing tonight. I ought to be in hell and I know that but I want to emphasize that for one day when I'm gone I want to have laid a foundation for the next man that will come behind that he don't have to fight that battle. Hey, I didn't have to fight that battle did I brother Charles? It was already laid before me in the right spirit of humility and I want to just carry that on but having said that we, I, I never want to be a part of a place that believes and practices man worship somebody say amen because a preacher walks in the same flesh that everybody else walks in and he's capable of falling and he fights the same battles that everybody else fights and he can ultimately do nothing within himself it takes everyone of us working together to get this job done. And there has to be devotion, doesn't there? You know, I was sitting there tonight and I was just thinking about the, some of the, the deacons in our church. I appreciate them, don't you? I appreciate the men of God and that's, the, that's how I view them tonight. As men of God because that's who they are. That labor and that pray and that walk with God. Can I tell you, in 19 years, I've never had a crossword with one deacon. Is that true tonight? We've always stood together 19 years. Now, I know some preachers give deacons a hard time, but not in this church. Somebody say amen. I mean, if one of them, if, if, and none of these men would, but they'd be on my side. If one of them, if we had a deacon, we'd fire him if he gave us a hard time. Isn't that right? I'm talking about wanting to cause trouble. But I'm telling you, in 19 years, there's been unity. Not just in one meeting, but in every single meeting we've had. In fact, I'll take it a step further. There's been times when we've sat down to discuss the business of the church. I'm talking about financial business, and these men will tell you. And we'd be sitting there talking about the finances of the church, and the Spirit of God would just settle in on that deacon's meeting. And I mean, we're worshiping over the finances. Can you imagine that? I don't know how to explain that other than just to say it's God's business, it's God's work, it's God's money, and when it's handled right and when it's done right, and it's when indecency, decency 
consistency and order and when it's got checks and balances, uh, God just puts his hand on it and he honors that, uh, but it takes them men helping to do that, doesn't it? I appreciate them tonight. And they've been faithful men and they're worthy to be recognized, every one of them and their wives. Amen. Talk about, I'm talking about devotion. There's a message of devotion. One of the reasons God blesses this church is because there's devoted people in this church. I know that we're not a perfect church tonight. I know that there's faults and failures and people are on different levels and this is not a church where it's everybody's a carbon copy, amen. I've been in places where if everybody didn't do everything exactly the same, then uh, you was ostracized and you had to go somewhere else. But I think a church ought to be healthy and strong and spiritual in its leadership and spiritual in, in, in saints of God. But there ought to be some weak Christians there that's growing. There ought to be people there that has not uh, uh, grew to that state and, and a healthy church is a church that's got uh, uh, saints of all levels and sizes and, and it's others reaching down and pulling them up because somebody else is reaching down and pulling each one of us up, amen it's iron sharpening iron it's all of us helping each other stay in the right course and in the right place, isn't that right and see it takes devotion in order for us to have that kind of a church I, I think in a church they ought to be devotion, number one, to the Lord. They ought to be devotion, number two, to the local church itself. And then there ought to be local, there ought to be devotion to the pastor and to the leadership and to his family. Somebody say amen. Now, you don't hear a lot of preaching on that anymore. And sad to say for years, I never had to preach that. But we're dealing with a different generation now where there's not any loyalty anymore, hardly. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Now, don't y'all get quiet on me. Somebody say amen. It's a dog-eat-dog world nowadays where people will cut your throat. I mean, you can help them and help them and help them. And listen, everybody's out for number one. But spiritual people will not be looking to what they can gain in the ministry, what they can get from the church. It's what we can invest in the church. Amen. I would tell you tonight, if this church could never give me another red cent, listen, you could keep every dime and keep every dollar and never give me another penny. But by the grace of God... I'll just keep on preaching and keep on staying here uh, because God put me here. Uh, and if hard times come, guess what? We'll just go through hard times together. Isn't that right? Uh, we'll just labor together uh, and we'll just serve God together uh, because the Bible says a man of God is to be devoted to the Lord. Uh, he's not to be guilty of filthy lucre. Somebody say amen. Uh, in other words, uh, he's not to look at the ministry as a paycheck. Uh, although he should be taken care of, uh, his focus needs to be on the souls of men and the welfare and the being of the families that God has given him to pastor. Amen. I believe that tonight. I'm going to tell you, I believe that so much that, that I, don't court other, I don't court other preachers' members. Somebody say amen. I've had to deal with that. I mean, I've had other pastors do that. But I don't do that, friend. Can I just preach on everything I can think of tonight? I just feel like it. I, it'll clean my arteries out good and it'll make you feel better for the week. Uh, but I'm telling I had a man tell me one time, he said, hey, let's go eat, let's go eat supper together. I said, well, call your preacher and we'll go. Y'all with that? I, I just don't do those things. 
God give me a church to pastor. I had a man, I was in a meeting. He come to me after church. He said, I, can I talk to you after church? And I need to talk to you about something real personal. I said, go get you a preacher. And I said, we'll sit down and talk. And I wasn't being ugly. I just believe that, amen. I don't want that pastor to find me sitting at a table with his members. I don't want that pastor to find me giving counsel to the people that God has entrusted him with. And, and listen, virtually I don't want that responsibility neither, amen, just frankly put. Uh, but I'm saying there ought to be some ethics. Can I get a witness on that? Uh, God will bless you uh, and bless me tonight for having some loyalty to the Lord uh, and to the local church. Amen. I just feel like that should be said. Because you ought to love your church. Anything you do ought to be sanctioned by the church. There ought to be devotion. When it comes to the house of God, gatherings, get-togethers, all those things got to be under the umbrella of the local church. You say, why? Because it promotes unity. And that's what we're about tonight. There's a message of devotion. There's a message of distinction tonight. In verse number 36, the Bible says that he said unto uh, his lad, he said, run and find and now will, uh, find now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow noticed beyond him. What Jonathan did was he purposely shot this arrow beyond David because it was a message of distinction. It wasn't an arrow just pointed up like this and just shot in the wind and just hoped for the best. No, he may have pointed, but listen, Jonathan knew how far he needed to draw, draw that arrow back in order to get that message across. And can I tell you something? That's, the, that's something a pastor has to do is he has to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit enough to know how how far uh, to draw that arrow back so that it will land in its proper place. Uh, I believe every message ought to be a message of distinction. In other words, it's got to have a direct point uh, in which it's going to a direct person in which it should help that individual. And Jonathan is not shooting an arrow just in the wind, but he's shooting it beyond a point uh, of distinction on purpose. Now, a lot of people want to go to a church where the message never hits them where the sermon is really never for them. If a preacher loves you, he will preach to you. I mean, tonight, if I, Brother Chris, if I had a problem tonight with you personally about something, we would go somewhere and sit down and talk. Because the end of that conversation, the main goal is, is that we can reach common ground and that we can come to a conclusion that will help you spiritually and that will benefit your Christian life. Amen? And so if it's an individual problem, then we deal with it individually in hopes to help that individual. But then there are times when you've got that message that God has just given you and you know that Brother Chris, though you're not preaching to him personally tonight, but you just know that what God has told you is going to be for his benefit. Well, listen, you can't take that arrow and turn it and shoot it this way. And you can't take it and, you know, kindly roundabout shoot it in another direction. No, you know what you got to do? You just got to shoot it beyond him, amen? You just got to send that message in a distinctive manner. And that's where we're at today when there's a lot of generalized preaching, when nothing is never really laid out in black and white for fear of cost, that it may cost a membership, it may cost a paycheck, it may cost some status in the ministerial society. But I'm telling you, friend, what we need, is we need men of God to mount the pulpits on Sunday without the fear and the favor of men and preach the word of God and just preach it like it is. Amen. Amen. Hello. 
Brother Charles, you told me something one time when I first come to this church, and I never forgot it. I don't even know why you told me, but it stayed with me all these years. You said, just preach whatever God tells you and let the chips fall where they fall. You know, I never forgot that. And I don't remember why you even said that at the time, but I'll tell you, there have been some times when I grabbed the Bible and I said, oh, Lord, help us this morning. I said, it's not going to be good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, of course you do. You've been here. (laughs) And I said, uh, Lord, please help me. And boy, I preached some sermons and walk out the door, and I'm telling you, I couldn't even get to the to the pavement out there, and the devil would say, You well, you really messed up this morning. I have figured out that when he tells me that, it must have been on target. Amen. If you upset the devil, then you must have nailed him pretty good. Amen. And friend, I'm not out to shoot the devil tonight, but I'm telling you, listen, our sermons have got to be messages of distinction. I want to go to church and get help. I want to go to church and the sermon have a point that that meets a need in my life. And here Jonathan is sending a message of distinction. It is a message of danger tonight. It's a warning to David. Don't come back. Jonathan did say to him, go in peace but you won't find any peace here. And can I tell you, this is not what David wanted to hear, but it's what he needed to hear. So many times in preaching, the message isn't what we want to hear. Every preacher knows about this. There have been times I've said, God, would you please let me preach sweet today? Amen. Sometimes the Lord will just have you preach sermon after sermon after sermon. I'm like, Lord, please, can I just preach something positive? And then sometimes he'll let you do that. But sometimes those, the church will go through phases. There'll be a member or two, or maybe there's just somebody that shows up that day and God is sending out the warning. Amen. I think this morning the warning went out today. I think that the, the Holy Spirit was dealing with hearts. And if there's ever been an hour we need more preaching that warns people, it's today. I I like exhorting preaching. I like encouragement. I like to be lifted up. And I I know that you do too. But I'm telling you, we need to warn sinners that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And we need to warn people in the pews not to be caught up into sin, not to let the devices and the technology and all the wicked things of this world that is being used for evil, although it can be used for good, but it is snatching away our homes. It is destroying the lives of our young people. I'm telling you, listen, the church is more ate up with sin today than she ever has been. And friends, she needs a cleansing. And listen, that comes through the preaching of the Word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed according to thy word. Amen. Brother Danny Dietz told me something one time. He said, Preacher, you know why I love this church? I said, why? He said, because it's clean. Well, it's not as clean as we wished it would be. Because I'm here. You feel that way? You know, I have to take a bath every day. I know some of y'all don't believe that, but I have to. (laughs) And you have to take one every day, whether you believe it or not, too. The rest of us believe you need a bath every day. You know what? I have to take a bath every day, sometimes two a day, depending on what you're doing. And, And hey, there's just something about being clean, isn't there? You feel better when you're clean, don't you? Hey, you know what preaching will do? It'll clean you up. It'll keep you out of the pitfalls and the snares and the dangers of this world. 
There's no telling where our lives would be tonight if it wasn't for old time preaching. Thank God the preacher will peel our hide every now and then. Thank God for men of God that'll say something about sin. I, I'm telling you, Brother Danny was talking about uh, uh, castor oil and, and stuff. I never had to drink no castor oil, but uh, listen, my mother used turpentine and sugar. Can you believe that? I mean, stuff you'd clean with, she'd pour down your throat. And she'd put sugar. She'd take two, two uh, drops of turpentine and put it in, in sugar. I mean, a spoonful of sugar. I, and finally, I got a place where I said, Mom, I'll tell you what, just whip me. That's right. She said, you're going to take his sugar and, and turpentine if I have to whip you. I said, I'll take the whipping. If you really want to punish me, make me eat that mess. <laughs> I'll tell you something. A 50-gallon bag of, of, of sugar will not take away the taste of one drop of turpentine. That's the truth. How many of y'all ever had any of that? Anybody? All right. I see there's some others been child abused too. Amen. <laughs> She, I won't tell you what it'll do to you, but she said it'll clean out a lot of things you don't need in you. It'll clean everything out, friend. I'm telling you, it'll straighten you up. You'll live right for six weeks. <laughs> Your teeth will sparkle, amen. And she'd give me that mess. Me and my brother take that finally, and I got about 13. I said, I'm going to tell you, Mom, I said, I love you. I'll do whatever you say. But I said, if I got a choice, just beat the devil out of me. I'll take it. Amen. She must have felt sorry for me. She stopped. You know, sometimes preaching's like that. It's hard to swallow. But it's good for you. It'll get the impurities out of you. I'll tell you tonight, it never, if a man of God is where he needs to be at, he never takes any joy in preaching hard. There's no joy because I'll tell you why. Deep down underneath, you realize you're made of the same wicked flesh of the people you're preaching to. You're guilty of the same things if you don't keep his flesh under control. I'll tell you something, I love hard preaching, don't you? I need it tonight, friend. I like, I like it all. I like, I like that sweet preaching, but I'll tell you, I like preaching, amen, that's just laid out there where there's, it's in clear uh, view. Now, I don't like mean-spirited preaching, but I like honest preaching uh, that tells the truth, uh, that warns me from danger. I'm telling you, listen, thank God it will change your life, and it was a message of danger. Then I'll say this tonight. It was a message of discernment because the Bible said in verse 38 that Jonathan cried after the lad, said, Make speed, haste, stay not. That's good advice for every young person. Every young person would underline, Make speed, haste, and stay not. Don't be lazy. Can I get a witness, eight young people? You ought to be busy doing something. Amen. Don't spend your summer sitting on the couch playing video games. Somebody say amen. Make haste. Speed. That's something young people don't know about, speed anymore. Isn't that right? Come on, y'all. I'm only going to preach 45 more minutes. Y'all don't have to, y'all relax. I see young people today, they ain't got enough energy to make a, a mosquito fly straight. Amen. That's right. Lazy. I'm talking about they don't know how to work, don't know how to dig a ditch, don't know how to mow a yard. I mean, I'm talking about, listen, girls don't know how to do nothing now. They don't know how to fold clothes, wash clothes. Y'all with me? I want to preach on that about five minutes. Amen, young people. Hey, make speed. Get out of the bed every day. Amen. Isn't that right, Caleb? Don't lay in the bed till the sun warps your feet. Get up in the morning. Amen. 
Get up at seven o'clock. You be, do you good. I know it's summertime. Get up at five o'clock. Do something. Amen. Go outside and ride a bicycle. Isn't that right? I mean, go outside and play in the yard. Get a sunburn. Amen. Uh, but keep your clothes on. Somebody say amen right there. Get a sunburn on your face. Let me put it that way. And uh, uh, Listen, uh, uh, do something productive. Amen. Throw a football. Kick a soccer ball. Uh, I mean, play in a ditch. Amen. Uh, uh, listen, set something. Well, I don't tell you that. But I mean, hey, uh, do something productive in life. Don't you set nothing on fire. Your parents will wear you out. Be active. You know why some kids weigh 350 pounds? Because they ain't seen nothing but the end of a Dorito bag. Amen. Amen. Work. I ain't talking about when they got health problems. I'm talking about because they won't do nothing. They don't know what granny beads are. They don't know what it is to get dirty. They don't want this to get outside and play. I'm talking about, hey, they think they're supposed to be raised on soda pop when they ought to drink water. Isn't that right? He won't kill you drink some water. Amen. You ought to have 64 ounces a day. Somebody say amen to that. That'll help all you health nuts out there too. I'm talking about haste. Have some activity about you. I preach that because I'm going to tell you why. I'm sick and tired of watching older people in the church carry the load. Amen. We got lazy moms and dads. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, listen, if our church is going to survive in years to come, it takes work to keep a good church. Amen? That means don't be late for Sunday school. That means walk up these steps and get in the choir and sing. That means don't be so lazy you can't raise your hand. Hey, some of y'all need to make speed in church. Amen? You need to say amen during the preaching. Wave your hand. Raise your hand a little bit. You need to be a little bit active in worship. Don't let Brother Laddie or Brother Charles testify by themselves. Say amen when they're up there doing something uh, or better yet help them out uh, and get up uh, and make some haste and do something hallelujah man I didn't know all that was in that verse did you brother lady I like it stay busy this year okay do something for the Lord I'm talking about I don't even know where I was at that's a whole nother sermon no here's what I'm saying tonight it was a message tonight of, it was a message of discernment. You see, this lad, Jonathan said, I want you to make haste. He said, I want you to go out. Look what he said in verse number 38. He said, and Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows. You see, Brother Casey, the lad wasn't shooting the arrows, but it was his responsibility to gather the arrows. You know, when the man of God is shooting those arrows, somebody's got to have the task of gathering up the fragments of what's been said. You say, well, I don't understand that. Here's what I'm saying. Somebody had to go get them arrows so Jonathan could shoot them again another day. What we need in our church is we need some gatherers. That's what that amen is doing. That's what that worship is. You're helping the man that's shooting the arrows. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. No, you're not shooting the arrows, but you can gather a few. You can help him out, that's right. You can help him out while he preaches. You can gather some things. Don't you thank God for gatherers in the church? Well, I appreciate people that'll gather up songbooks and put them back where they need to be at. Somebody say amen. 
I appreciate people gather up the trash and, and gather up all the dirt and clean up the church. Uh, I appreciate people, amen, uh, uh, that'll gather up all the pieces of paper out on the lawn. Uh, I, I appreciate people that'll gather together uh, and will pray for the services uh, at nine o'clock on Sunday morning uh, over here in the prayer room. Uh, uh, never get no recognition, but they come and pray or they'll gather at five o'clock. Uh, why don't you thank God for some gatherers, amen? I'm talking about, listen, it's a message of discernment. The lad couldn't see all. The lad didn't know all that was going on. He was just doing what his job was. He was just doing what he was supposed to do. Can I tell you, if everybody will just do what they're supposed to do, hey, we can work together and the message will go forth, amen? Jonathan was able to shoot another day because somebody had done some gathering and I close with this thought tonight as they come. The message of the arrows is that it was a message of departure. For the next 10 years, David is going to run for his life because of a message that he heard. And God sent the message in David's life. David is going to go through unpleasant places. He's going to face obstacles. The enemy's still going to be after him. God is doing this in David's life because here's what he's doing. It's a pushing out process. He's pushing David out of his comfort zone. He's pushing David into a place. You see, the way to the throne tonight is a rough, a lonely, and sometimes it's a costly way. It requires faith, commitment, surrender, self-denial, and humility. It requires us to go places that we necessarily would never go. To let go of people and to let go of places and to let go of comforts and prosperities of life that we would never turn loose of on our own. That's the plan of God for all of our life. I will tell you this in closing tonight. Had God left me in that place, I would have stayed where I lived all of my life. You know why I would have done that? Because it was a comfort zone. I never wanted to leave that place. My family was there. My friends was there. And I can remember going down the road and preaching at a little church. And it was a good church. Still is a good church. Brother Barnes, I knew in my mind that's where God was going to put me. I just knew that. You know why I felt that way? Because it was my comfort zone. It's where I wanted to be. God never puts you where you want to be. But He always puts you where you ought to be. Isn't that right, Brother Blake? You'd have never looked at Silicaga or never looked at a map and you'd have never circled Silicaga and said, that's where I'm going. You'd have never went there. Brother Billy, you'd have never said, I'll pastor Westside Baptist Church. Brother Josh, on your own, you'd have never looked at a map and said, I want to go spend my life in Guatemala or Papua New Guinea or for some of you, Rossville, Georgia. No, that's not where you wanted to be. But God said that's where you ought to be. Amen. Miss Kim, you'd have never come here. This is not where you wanted to be. But isn't it amazing how God pushes us in places we don't really want to be? But then after a while, the will of God 
The will of God is the most pleasant ground on planet earth. John Bunyan laid in a prison cell, an old, damp, mossy prison cell, in the will of God, with his daughter died. And he wrote about Pilgrim's Progress. And he made all of our lives a pleasant place because God pushed him. And not a place he wanted to be, but a place he ought to be. It's a message of the arrows tonight. And I wonder as we stand, it takes faith to do that, to burn them bridges. Abraham stepped out on nothing, not knowing where he'd go. But God sent him. Tonight, as Brother David sings, you obey God if he speaks to your heart tonight.